Welcome to the You Can Make It So podcast, episode number 79. And welcome to the month of August. We're in the summer of 2023, this summer of success. Thank you to so many of you who join each TuneIn Tuesday. We are growing in followers, downloads, and feedbacks with each and every episode. And I'm so grateful to you and so grateful to those of you who follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Check the podcast notes for how you connect with us through social media. Here at Phoenix Life Coaching Canada, we are building a community of like-minded people who want to thrive and live with one attitude, and that is make it so. So check our website, phoenixlifecoachingcanada.com, to see how we can help you lead with confidence and grow with clarity. As I mentioned, we are in the second annual Summer of Success, and the month of July which was part of this series, was absolutely fantastic. Our Summer of Success has an underlying theme, and that is leadership in the changing workplace. So do make sure to go back and look up some of the great guests that we have had so far. Phil Simon, Michael Lennox, Joe Tolzman, Norm Bacall. You can find them all and all of our episodes on Spotify. You can also check out our website, phoenixlifecoachingcanada.com. Today, we have a fantastic guest, Mark Mears. He's a best-selling author, a keynote speaker, a consultant, a mentor, and a business leader. It's going to be a great episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. So, let's get after it. Let's make it so. Our podcast today. Mark is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, he's a consultant, mentor, and business leader. And during his 35-year career, Mark has established a significant track record of building value by driving innovation and profitable growth among some of the most world-class high-profile brands, such as Pepsi-Cola, Pizza Hut, McDonald's, Frito-Lay, JCPenney, NBC, Universal, and my favorite, the Cheesecake Factory. Uh, today, his consulting firm is helping individuals, teams, and organizations find purpose in fulfilling their true growth potential while making a positive, lasting difference in the world. I'm excited to welcome Mark Mears, a former Fortune 500 executive and author of the best-selling book, The Purposeful Growth Revolution, Four Ways to Grow from Leader to Legacy Builder to the You Can Make It So podcast. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Frank. It's so good to be here with you and your listeners today. So um, our summer series um, has been having a little bit of fun to start with every single one of our guests. And so this is kind of a kind of pick one short description type of uh, answer to, to each of these questions. So here's the first one. Uh, Apple or Microsoft? Um, both. Oh. I have a iPhone uh, and, uh, you know, tie it in with uh, Apple, but I use a computer that is more on the Microsoft side. So I, I guess I'm a bit of a hybrid. There you go. Excellent. Favorite type of car? Oh, my. Um, boy, there's so many. Um, I think a Mercedes Benz uh, because it, uh, to me, is very solid, um, but also has kind of this understated elegance. And uh, I love the service when I go there. Uh, so I have one and I've had one, you know, for a while. Um, I would have said BMW. Um, it's a close second, but those are my two favorite types of cars. Uh, do you play an instrument? I do. I play the drums. I'm not playing much anymore, but I grew up playing the drums and did up through, you know, several years of my adult life. And uh, nothing I like more than to sit behind uh, the drum kit and beat the skins. So do you have a favorite song? You know, uh, gosh, I was just thinking about that the other day um, with my family. We do uh, a monthly kind of Zoom catch up call because now we're all spread around the country. And actually um, one of our um uh, family members is marrying a gal in Canada, um, where you're from. So, um, I, I, geez, I would, it's gotta be their way to heaven. A professional memory. Oh gosh. It is gotta be 
when, uh, boy, when I was with the Cheesecake Factory, we did this drive out hunger tour. We were tied in with Feeding America. And during September, um, which is 30 days, we went to a different cheesecake factory from Los Angeles where the corporate headquarters was, snaked across the country all the way to Washington, D.C., raising awareness for childhood hunger, raising money for childhood hunger. But we also uh, asked for cans of soup uh, to give to local food banks. And we would give um, a complimentary slice of this red velvet cake cheesecake for every two can of the soup. And so when we got to Washington, D.C. at the Capital Area Food Bank, we did this big reveal of a can construction of 30,000 cans of soup that looked like the um, uh, cheesecake itself, right? And just the feeling of pride I think I had in my team uh, that put that whole thing together um, all of the team members at the Cheesecake Factory, every restaurant that participated on the tour and those that did not, all came together for a really powerful cause. Um, we're known for a celebratory dining experience, abundance, as you know about the Cheesecake Factory. So we really felt it was important for us to give back into our local communities to those um, who don't have um, maybe enough to, to eat. And that to me was probably my best professional memory and I've had many of them, but I ranked that right up there. Rightly so, rightly so. Uh, kind of on the flip side, favorite personal memory? Well, gosh, I I have twin daughters. And so um, I think the, when they were born, um, that to me was a life-changing memory. And now they're 25 and a half years old and graduated college, you know, one's married and uh, living in Michigan, the other one's getting married and going to move to Canada. And, and so just to think back to that night, um, December 23rd, 1997, um, I think that was the most proud personal moment of my life. That is a, that is a, a, a beautiful early Christmas present that you got that year for sure. That's, oh, that's beautiful. Uh, here's the last one. Uh, what does the word success mean to you? Yeah, that's a great uh, question because it's changed throughout my life and career. Um, and it, it has shaped my um, my ethos and my, what I call a, a purposeful growth plan, you know, purpose statement, which is I don't want to just make money and retire. I want to make a difference and inspire. And that means making a difference in the lives of others and inspiring them to want to do likewise. So it creates this virtuous cycle of reciprocity, or what I call paying it backward. So for me, that's my new vision of success. It's not about money. It's not about title. It's not about status. I've had all those things. For me, it's more about how can I change the world in some way? How can I impact lives? Um, how can I give back uh, what I've been so richly blessed with? And I've had some wonderful mentors who've walked alongside me throughout my life and my career. And I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. So how can I help people uh, avoid the mistakes I've made? How can I help them get off on the right foot, help them find uh, what makes them uh, feel purposeful? And uh, by doing so, it creates this law of reciprocity, which suggests that when someone does something nice for you, you feel a deep kind of seated urge to do something nice for someone else and often in greater measure. So now imagine that ripple effect if everybody does that. And I call it pay it backward because when I go to Starbucks and I'm a huge Starbucks fan, I will go through the drive-through and I'll pay for the car behind me. And in that moment, say a silent prayer for them. I don't know what, what's going on in their life or their day. They don't know me and I don't know them. And I can't pay it forward because the car in front of me is already gone. And what I've heard is that simple uh, but intentional, not random act of kindness, uh, oftentimes leads to a chain reaction of cars feeling likewise. And, and that to me is a great visualization of what I want people to say about me other than, oh, he was successful because of the jobs he's had or the titles he's had or the money or that whatever, right? It's the lives that he helped shape and mold to make them better as well as to help make other lives better in our community and indeed in the world. Well, I, I think that you're uh, well on the way to doing that in so many ways, but especially with the book that, that you've written. 
uh, the purpose mm -hmm. of the revolution. I think that you have really uh, helped make a difference and inspire. Before we, we get talking about the book a little bit, um, maybe tell us a little bit about you and, and tell us about your pathway to where you are now as a consultant, best-selling author, keynote speaker. It's been a long and winding road, um, Frank, and uh, I, I grew up in Wichita, Kansas. I uh, live in Kansas City now, but as we were talking off uh, air, I've lived in Chicago twice, Dallas twice, Atlanta, Los Angeles, and Austin, Texas, and uh, have moved back up into this area um, closer to where I grew up um, about six years ago. And I went to the University of Kansas undergrad with the idea of being a lawyer, and you can't major in pre-law, so I asked around, you know, what kind of major would really prepare me for law school and as well, you know, being a successful lawyer. And they said, well, you're going to do a lot of reading, writing, presentations, research, and um, critical thinking and as a lawyer. So you can do all that in the School of Journalism. And uh, KU has one of the best journalism programs in, in the country. So I thought, well, that'll be great foundation. And then I'll go off to law school. Well, something happened along the way. I had one of my mentors, uh, Dr. Tim Bankston, who was on faculty there and he taught marketing communication courses and I fell in love with it. And he said, Hey, Mark, are you sure you want to go to law school? I think you've really got a lot of talent in this area. I think you should go to grad school instead. And one thing led to another and he convinced me that Northwestern was the best program. And so I went to Northwestern for graduate school now with the idea of being the best marketing uh, communications executive I could be. So I started on the agency side, then moved over to Pizza Hut when it was owned by PepsiCo on the brand side, um, and then went and had a couple more agency experiences, Leo Burnett heading up a big chunk of McDonald's business, as well as DDB heading up the whole Frito-Lay business before I kind of went back on the brand side and had been with JCPenney, uh, as you mentioned, Universal Studios Hollywood, um, when it was owned by GE and Universal uh, to uh, the Cheesecake Factory and Mimi's Cafe and Noodles and Company. And so my career progression took me to, um, you know, mostly restaurant, retail, hospitality and entertainment. And I think the common thread, uh, Frank, among all of that, and I didn't know it at the time, but it was probably something sewn in me years and years before is I really enjoy serving and I enjoy creating unique experiences for people and their families. And so the thread that's kind of woven through each of those is, is more of that kind of hospitality, um, you know, kind of personified. And so I think that's probably the common thread is this idea of service. And so I think about being a servant leader is the best form of, of leadership. Um, and, and, and something I've tried to um, accomplish throughout my career. And, and I had David Novak, a wonderful leader who was my uh, leader at Pizza Hut and actually recruited me at Northwestern uh, for another position in uh, Dallas when he was there, but he went to Pizza Hut and we'd stayed in touch and he was a wonderful mentor. And, and uh, he then later became the co-founder and chairman and CEO of Yum Brands. So that Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, KFC, et cetera, right? So the way he would coach, the way he would lead and inspire um, it, 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 and serve um, instead of just barking orders, uh, he was the one who would get in the trenches and and had walk around the office after hours with this kind of shirt tucked, untucked and look a little disheveled. And he'd come plop down in your office and say, hey, Mark, what big idea are you working on today? And then his next question is, how can I help? And I've never forgotten that. You know, we, we had uh, last year, we had uh, Howard Bahar on our uh, podcast. And uh, of course, he talks a lot about servant leadership and how he molded that into the to the culture slash community of, of mm -hmm. Starbucks. And uh, there were several times when I was reading your book that I I heard echoes of, of Howard Bahar and his books uh, in it. And uh, so it, it comes out in in how uh, you write and how uh, you speak uh, as well. Well, thanks, Frank. That's high praise because he's he's a great uh, thought leader and, um, you know, just all around leader himself. So that's awesome. 
And now this is a, a really general question, uh, but in your book, The Purposeful Growth Revolution, Four Ways to Grow from Leader to Legacy, you introduce something you call the LEAF growth model. Tell us about it and how it leads into both personal and professional growth. Yeah, that's a it's, it's a wonderful story, and I'll try to truncate it for um, time. But when I was president of a half a billion dollar casual dining chain based in Southern California, having gotten recruited from my role as CMO of the Cheesecake Factory to kind of take over the brand, re-image it, um, create a new menu, um, new positioning, and then a new kind of concept that the parent company was publicly traded at the time would be able to then pump capital into to create this growth engine. Well, we were down double digit negative in sales. Uh, the, the brand was kind of lost its way and it was, you know, clientele were getting a little older and we wanted to be more contemporary. And so my built a team, my, my team and I and our agency partners, we worked on uh, pulling it all together and we got a new positioning uh, and, and really uh, reignited the brand with a new menu, breakfast, brunch, lunch, dinner, brought on a bar with full alcohol. So now we were able to have this full dining experience throughout the day and leverage every square inch of the facility. Uh, so we turned the brand around from double digit ne negative sales to positive. We did what we were asked to do by contemporizing the brand. And then we uh, put a new concept in the ground that that showed uh, its return on invested capital would be accelerated by over a year and a half over the original pro forma. Well, instead of uh, you know getting high fives from the board, um, they decided to move in a different direction. And that meant put the concept up for sale. You and your team have turned it around faster than we thought. Um, so we want to uh, strike while the iron's hot. So, uh, but you're going to lead the process. And you can't tell anyone. <laughs> so here I am sworn to secrecy, having built a team, trying to move everything forward. But then in my mind thinking, hey, a, a new owner would probably be a good thing because now we're going to get the capital we deserve. Um, and the person or the, the entity that was selected um, was a strategic play and not a private equity firm. And we thought, well, that's even better. They own some other restaurants. They there's some other things that I can't really tell you, but they were in our mind's eye the perfect fit. Well, the deal closed on a Friday. And on Monday, I'm supposed to have a meeting with the new CEO to plot our future together at 8 a.m. I go there and at 8.05, I'm out the door. We've decided to move in a different direction. Second time I've heard that. And so I, this is in uh, California at the time and it was February 21st, I wanna say 2013. And that's not in Canada, but that's about the time when spring starts to emerge in Southern California. So after a fitful night of sleep, I take the dog out back and Frank as God is my witness. We had a fig tree in our backyard and the sun was coming up over the wall in our backyard showing on that fig tree that was barren from the five or six or seven weeks of winter we do get. Um, but there on the end of one branch was this tiny little sprig of a green bud just starting to shoot out. And it was literally in that moment, I got this epiphany that a leaf is a symbol of growth and rebirth. And then I took the dog inside. I got to playing with this whole idea. And how I got the leaf model was that I used to believe in the rule of threes. It says, if you do three things really well and have that focus, you're going to get results. And so during the two years we were turning this restaurant brand around, my three things were leadership, engagement, and accountability. And I would use that almost every day as my mantra and just say, we need leadership up and down the ranks. Uh, we need engagement with our heart, head, hands, and habits. This isn't going to be easy. We're going to have to really dig in. And then we need accountability to ourselves, to each other, to our customers, our team members in the restaurants, and to our shareholders. And it was part of the recognition and reward program. Well, I realized that morning after that happened that what was missing was the sense of fulfillment. And I got to thinking, well, wait a minute, leadership, engagement, accountability, and fulfillment is an acronym for LEAF. LEAF is a source of all growth. And I got to thinking about what kind of growth? 
Well, this notion of purpose has been around for a long time. And I was thinking, am I just, you know, uh, doing this to make money and move on to another position? Or do I really want to be purposeful? And so I got to thinking this idea of purposeful growth, a four-circle Venn diagram with each of those key elements, leadership, engagement, accountability, and fulfillment, all revolving around purposeful growth, much like the seasons. And so now I believe in the higher power of fours. There are four seasons, not three. There are four directions, not three. There are four chambers to the human heart, not three. There are four elements to an atom, the source of all life, not three. And I could go on and on with this foreplay, but you get the idea. So I started working on this model and then building it out to where each of those four macro elements or processes had four micro processes that all led to a desired outcome. So leadership is about clarity, connection, communication, and commitment that all leads to alignment and so on and so forth throughout the model. And then I pieced out the book to create this four kind of divisions of cultivating your field for purposeful growth. Now, here I am in Kansas, and when we go out and we're known as an agricultural uh, state, well, we don't just throw out seeds. We have to cultivate the grand, ground to get it ready for growth. So much like leadership, we've got to cultivate the ground. And then we have to look at planting our seeds for purposeful self. We need to grow forward for purposeful work. And that's where the leaf growth model comes in. And then finally, scatter our seeds for a purposeful life. And so that really ties in the leaf model, the symbol of leaf as really a metaphor for growth and rebirth, but also that leaf uh, growth model is what I've learned in businesses that are integral to the growth of any uh, company, firm, individual, et cetera. And again, to that kind of new uh, hierarchy of fours or what I call the higher power of fours, I believe we have four stakeholders, our team members, our customers or guests, our business partners, and anybody in the business ecosystem that supports us, and then our communities. And that's where I come in with this idea of purpose. We're not just making widgets and selling them for a price and earning a profit. We're making our team members better. We're making the lives of our customers better. We're certainly providing return on the investment of time, money, and energy from our business partners, but we're also enriching our communities. And to me, that's so important. And I think with all of that, and thank you for that, you've actually given an excellent uh, explanation. And I think, um, especially as one who's read the book, and I'm sure those who are listening will read the book, go back and, and listen to that. You've given some wonderful context to so much that you're providing there. And I think the other thing that comes through is that servant's heart again, that that desire to see all things through the lens of service. Uh, you know, uh, as uh, we talked a little bit about off air, the importance of, uh, of who before do, uh, really focusing on, on who you are serving, not just what you are doing. Yeah, that's great. And and uh, I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek and the whole Start With Why movement he created with the TED Talk uh, maybe 10, 12, 13 years ago. But I like to be provocative and I like to challenge the status quo. And when I looked at that, I said, well, wait a minute. My marketing training and sales training has always been about starting with who and specifically who you serve. And so I break that down into, again, that four circle Venn diagram of uh you know, four spiritual realms or four uh, service realms, spiritual, relational, personal, and professional. We're whole people. And we need to be able to bring our whole self into the workplace. When I was kind of a young buck growing up, it was like, don't bring any of that personal stuff in here. Keep your nose to the grindstone. You know, uh, if you don't come in on Saturday, don't bother coming back in on Sunday. You know, a lot, a lot of that um, pay your dues kind of thing. Well, uh, today, that's not the way it is. And, and uh, you know, millennials and Gen Z, and I now have Gen Z daughters that are 25 and a half years old, and I can guarantee you their expectation of work is so much different than what it was for me in my generation. But that's where we're going. And I have a goal to put the human back in human resources. And uh, to do that, uh, you know, that, that's a big part of this book is we need to engage people's heart, head, 
hands and habits. And I've always been, you know, taught in, in, in sales and in marketing, it's, it's the emotional and the rational working together, right? But once you get someone's heart, there's a short distance between the heart and the wallet. So this whole idea of start with who and specifically who you serve. And, and, and if you think about that four circle Venn diagram, and again, spiritual, relational, professional, personal, in your mind's eye, you create a vision of who you serve that leads you often to your why, what, what motivates you to do what you do, what lights you up, what are you good at, what does the world need from you, what can you make money doing, and then that leads you to your how, how are you uniquely different, um, how are you investing your time, your talents, your treasures, and tr what I call triumphs and travails or your experiences to help you know, yourself, but others along their growth journey. And then you get to your what you do. And I think that makes a lot more sense and is a lot more aligned with where the new world of work is going and, and creating a more humanistic leadership style, right? I mean, it's integrated into my professional life. It's integrated into my relational life. And it's certainly integrated into my personal life. So the same thing with, um, you know, professional. If if I'm not engaged at work, well, what happens if I get fired? Now I'm no good to my family. So I've, I've lost my relational. And then personal, if I don't keep up with my body, my mind, um, my spirit, my soul, um, then I'm not good to any of those three. So it's in balance. And again, revolving around purposeful growth, because once you kind of find what makes you purposeful, and notice I didn't say find your purpose, because purpose is a noun. It's like a thing, right? Where, where did it go? I, did I lose my purpose? Um, and and it, it's, I believe in being purposeful because I don't think we'll ever really fulfill our purpose until we're, 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 we're out of this world, right? But being purposeful is all about every single day, what can we do? And that's why when I talk about growing from leader to legacy builder, this idea of legacy is really important. And it's not about bequeathing something after you're dead and buried. It's about a living legacy. So going back to the idea of, of, of mentoring, you know, I know you've had some powerful mentors in your life who invested their time and their expertise in you. I remember there was a time, uh, David Novak, who was the co-founder of Yum Brands and chairman and CEO. Well, at the time, again, he was a senior VP of marketing at Pizza Hut. Well, he and his wife were off in Italy at a big PepsiCo you know, meeting. And I was up in Chicago. That's when Pizza Hut was in Wichita at the time, where it started in 1958, doing focus groups. Well, as it happened, I'm catching the last flight that night back. They were connecting through Chicago and they were on my same plane. Well, as you can imagine, try, you know, flying back from Italy, they didn't look all that great. And they were probably wanting to get a few more winks before he had to get up and go to work in the morning. And I had a meeting with him and the executive team to go through the, the focus groups. So they go kind of toward the back of the plane and I'm up near the front and I'm, you know, it's at night. I'm uh, the only light on is me and I'm taking my notes to get ready for the next morning. All of a sudden I get a tap on my shoulder. It's David. And he says, can I sit down? And I said, well, of course. He sits down and he takes out a piece of paper and he starts writing. And he, it looks like two columns he's making. And when he's done, he says, Mark, here are three things I think you do really, really well. And these are shining strengths of yours. And I think that these are going to be really helpful as you advance in your career. I'm thinking that's great. Well, here are three things that I, I really want you to think about and maybe uh, see about making some progress against because I think they may hold you back and we don't want that. We want you to keep, you know, being a shining star within the organization. And we had a little chat and then he got up and he went in the back of the plane. I thought, what an incredible example of servant leadership. He could have just talked to me any other time and set up a meeting with me, but he used that time in that moment to coach me um, in a way that I have never forgotten. And that's been years ago. And so it has always been that kind of high bar that he has set that I've always tried to 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 reach up and 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 over uh, and, and sometimes maybe I've succeeded and probably most of the time failed miserably but I always remember that that mentorship and that kind of uh, servant leadership uh, and, and and really who you serve is so very important. No, um, let's um, 
kind of a springboard from from that. And and let let's talk about the higher power of four, um, as opposed to the the rule of three. Mm -hmm. uh, and in it, you you speak about four actions: uh, cultivating, planting, growing, and scattering. Um, and how these help executives, leaders, uh, find purpose and fulfill their growth potential, and to really leave a legacy. But I'd like to invite you just to maybe pick one and just really expand upon it. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's uh, we've talked a little bit about the LEAF model. So in that four uh, kind of sections of the book, back to the, the reason why I say four ways to grow from leader to legacy builder, um, I think it's really important um, to, to look at the very first one. And that's cultivating your field for purposeful growth. Everybody wants to grow. I consider myself a growth junkie. So I, I love growth in all of its forms. Um, but what does it mean to grow purposefully? And why is that important? So I've done my research and there's a, a group out there called the Science of Purpose. And so this is what they specialize in. And the case they make for purposeful growth suggests individuals with a connection to their purpose experience 63% increase, increase in wealth, leadership, effectiveness, and fulfillment. Their words. They learn twice as much. There's growth. Uh, there are four times more engaged, where engagement comes in. And get this, are 175% more productive. That's almost two people worth, right? It gets better case for purposeful growth among companies suggests that those with a connection to their purpose experience higher margins as purposeful firms are 30% more innovative. And that 73% of customers will switch to higher purpose brands and pay more money for them. That's a good. And then in, in today's labor um, you know, world, this is a great one. Higher levels of retention and tenure when people are working for companies who are purposeful. And then 54% more fulfilling work relationships. And Gallup has told us for years uh, that to get engagement that leads to profitability, it's important to have a best friend at work. Relationships at work matter. So I think the idea of cultivating your field for purposeful growth is understanding the importance of not just growth that we all want to grow, but how purposefully and why does purpose matter so much uh, for individuals and for companies. And if you think about that, um, today, there's a ton of research out there talking about younger people want to know that the company they're working for stands for something more than just making a profit. They want to work for some uh, firm that helps them feel like they're doing something bigger than just punching in a clock each day uh, and getting paid every other week and earning benefits and vacation time. They want to believe that their job vocation matters beyond making a profit. So of the four sections of the book, um, you see I spend a lot of time building the business case because so often I hear, Mark, that all sounds good, but you know we're just getting our business up and running. And when we start to get things profitable, we'll, we'll, we'll siphon off some money and we'll do something good in the community or whatever. And they're not understanding that it should be woven into your business model and that then you can grow exponentially and there are reams and reams of data suggesting companies have done just that. And so I believe businesses have an opportunity to change the world. Governments um, can only do so much and, and they've not been you know, proven to be all that successful. Uh, nonprofits and religion, religious organizations can help, but they can only do so much. When you think about all the resources that businesses have all over the world, how if part of their business plan was built on giving back, we've all heard of Patagonia and there's a bunch of Starbucks and a lot of bigger companies doing that. But small business owners tell me, Mark, how can I do that? And I'm telling you, you can. And it will not only give you a leg up in the marketplace, because as I mentioned, you know, customers will switch to higher purpose brands and pay more, but your team members and notice I didn't say employees or workers. Your team members will feel that sense of purpose and they'll work harder and they'll have a greater sense of ownership and empowerment uh, than just punching in a clock, as I mentioned. And I, I think this uh, this next question that is kind of floating in, in my head a little bit has, uh, has a lot to do with it. We hear a lot about the great resignation. We hear a lot about 
people just choosing to, to walk away from where they're working. What does this, this great resignation tell us about workplaces, leadership, and how do you think that we can adapt to this message that it's giving to us? Yeah, well, first, I, I call it the great repurposing, and that shouldn't shock you, because I think resign has two kind of you know meanings that neither are great. Um, either someone's resigned uh, and they've quit altogether, or possibly worse, they've resigned themselves to an unsatisfying status quo, and they've quit but stayed, or I guess what the kids are calling quiet quitting these days, right? So neither of those two definitions uh, are great versus this opportunity to really, um, that, that, that COVID gave us, actually, to really think deeply as to not only what, but who matters most in our lives. And back to this power of purpose, right? So I really believe that, you know, when you look at the research, and this is from the Sloan School of Management at MIT, who surveyed 34 million people who left the workforce during COVID and asked them a simple question. Why? The number one answer, Frank, by over 10 times more than the second most given answer was toxic work environment. Compensation didn't come up till number 16 on the list. It's like the old broadcast news movie. It's I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. People didn't want to go back to work in an environment that they merely tolerated. They really wanted to, to go back to work. They weren't just saying I'm, I'm out of work. I just I just have to go somewhere where it it, it aligns more closely with my sense of purpose and my values. And so I really believe the whole command and control style that works so well for us, even though most of us tolerated it. Um, and we revered, you know, great leaders like Lee Iacocca, who turned around Chrysler, or Jack Welch, who, you know, was the longtime CEO of GE, or maybe Steve Jobs, who's created Apple, which is uh, arguably the world's most valuable company, right? But if you peel back the onion and you go into their leadership style, it wasn't all that kind. It wasn't all that, you know, human. And, and so I think today people are saying we can still achieve those great things, but we can do it in a more humanistic way. So if we engage people, again, their heart, head, hands, and habits, then we can start to turn this around, right? And so I've created this kind of sub-model. It's, it's, well, love is in the book. Uh, it's not this acronym that I came up with maybe about four months ago, which is Listen, observe, value, and empower. A leader needs to listen deeply to their team members and not just what they're saying, but what they're not saying. Because a lot of people are in stressful situations, whether at work or at home, and maybe they're worried about chat GPT or AI taking their job, or maybe they're worried about this impending recession we keep hearing about, or maybe they've got uh, health issues themselves or their family. But being able to be more human and listening uh, is really important. Now, observing is in, is the O, observing them and coaching them in real time. I live here in Kansas City, home of the world champion Kansas City Chiefs. Thought I'd get that in there. Andy Reid's a brilliant coach, but he doesn't wait to the end of the year to do some kind of annual appraisal. He's coaching in the moment every single day. So imagine if as a leader, you're acting more like a coach, right? And then value you know, so often people feel like they're just employee ID numbers that no one really knows them or cares about them at work. We've seen that in in uh, Gallup. Um, one of the one of the reasons the engagement levels are so low right now um, is you know feeling cared about at work, and so uh, being valued. Yes, we should do recognition and rewards, and we should uh, make sure that you feel valued on every single level, like as a member of a team. Now, I don't know if you played team sports growing up as I did, but when when you saw the note on the coach's door with those who made the team, and then maybe you saw your jersey number or position, you felt great to be part of that team. And then you realized it wasn't just about you. Now you have to play a role on that team. So the deep sense of duty allows you to create value for your position. So listen, observe, and value. Now the E stands for empower. And if you um, have done the first three things right, you've got a, a chance to empower that team member to be the very best that they can be. And when we've seen that, you know, when people are empowered, 
they're more engaged, they stay longer, they work harder, they're more, uh, they have a, a deeper stake of ownership in the outcome. And all it takes is love. And it doesn't cost one more penny an hour for a leader to love their team members in a way they deserve in this more humanistic, you know, leadership style versus command and control. And again, that's why I want to put the human back in human resources. But we've talked about uh, listening and, and cultivating. Let's let's talk a little bit about thinking, um, and in particular, strategic thinking. Um, I I personally believe that strategic thinking is an important skill set for leaders today, but it doesn't mean that all leaders possess it. Um, you don't wake up one morning and you decide that you're going to be a great strategist. Uh, you grow into the practice. And so uh, you said this, uh, most people get rewarded and promoted into leadership positions by, by being good doers at tactical projects. However, to grow into being an exceptional leader, you must learn how to think in terms of strategy and become adept at translating strategic priorities into tactical actions to achieve desired outcomes. Now, there's a lot there. Hmm. Unpack that for us a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm so glad I wrote that. It sounds so so much better coming from from you than me, I guess. But uh, I I do agree. You know, when I was a young pup, even with a graduate degree, um, you know, you learn about, you know, the difference between goals, objectives, strategies, tactics, et cetera. Um, But until you employ it in an actual real world setting, um, where real dollars and real resources are being applied to achieve certain desired outcomes, well, now you have to go through a series of choices. And, you know, one of the techniques that we used at Northwestern um, was, you know, kind of breaking down what's the key essence of the problem? Like, can you get it down to one sentence? And then now, what are the kind of, you know, desired outcomes and then you get to what are the you know possible you know ways to get there, and then you pick the one that's most you know attractive based on how you go about your thought process and your research and your listening skills of asking questions, to then say here's actually what we're going to do, and here's what we're going to need to get it done. And that to me has been the most you know that's that's what I call critical thinking, um, and and. Thinking critically means you you challenge your own assumptions, you challenge your own ideas, you have other people challenge you. uh, And so that ultimately, at the end of the day, you're going to make the right best decision with the information you have. I call it the 80% right rule. If you have 80% of the information, you should make a decision because you're never going to have 100%. If you wait to try to get to 100, you may have lost the opportunity, right? And so... Uh, that's how I would really couch that and unpack it because um, that takes that takes practice. That takes a, being in a lot of boardrooms and listening to a lot of uh, you know challenges and the way they were solved and the lessons learned in the process and refining your approach and continue to learn because uh, there's all kinds of new technologies to factor in. So what you thought was a good model years ago may need to be tweaked to be more relevant to today, as we're now seeing with uh, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, artificial, this and that. And and so we would never have thought of that. Uh, And how does that play a role in media planning and buying? That that whole world has changed from early days. So you think about return on investment, your investment of time, energy, resources, money, and kind of the opportunity cost of, what if we didn't pick the right way? What could we have done with the time, money, and energy and resources to have achieved a different objective? And we started with a, a general question. So let's give a general question another shot here. Um, what advice would you have for emerging leaders when it comes to discerning the legacy that they wish to leave? Yeah, I think that it all stems from their their core um you know, the, the, the purposeful being in their soul. And when they've done that in inner work, they figure out what motivates them. For me, it was all about kind of service, hospitality, um, and wanting to leave a legacy of, you know, positivity and hopefully uh, results 
within that realm. You know, I didn't have the brains for engineering or medicine or some of these other areas, uh, but anybody can harness the God-given talents that that they were uh, in, in, endowed with and figure out now, how do I package that in a way that I can create a living legacy and not just, again, a legacy to leave and bequeath something after you're dead and buried, but how can I touch the lives of everybody I interact with in a way that's positive to where I put enough of those good days together and I'll feel fulfilled at the end of my life or work. And that to me would be the advice is do the inner work and then always be curious, you know, ask questions and none of us have all the answers. Uh, I, I learn every day and it's just a, a way I keep kind of young and fresh and nimble and just, you can never ask too many questions would be my corollary to that. Well, we're running against the clock. So I have one quicker question for you. Uh, this is a common question that we're asking everyone uh, this summer uh, who comes onto our podcast. I want you to put your time traveler hat on for a minute. And uh, given what you see, uh, where are workplaces headed and what uh, quick business strategy tip uh, could you give to people on how they can get ready for the workplace of tomorrow? Yeah, I don't think we're going to put the genie back in the bottle. I think hybrid um, and remote working um, and so many days a week in the office or, you know, I, I don't think that's going to go away. Um, and so I think learning how to use technology or high tech, but to create high touch experiences, the human part, is really um, going to be gold. And the companies that figure out how best to do that will see their attraction rates go up and their retention rates go up and their you know, satisfaction scores go up uh, and higher levels of engagement. And uh, to me, it comes back to that love model. You know, and, and it's simple to do, it's a human approach and it doesn't cost any more money. Listen, observe, value and empower. And if you create a community, not a culture, but a community where people feel they belong uh, versus a culture where they just may feel they're a part of, um, you know, I've said that uh, with, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and a lot of people are talking about that and we, and we should, we're way behind on where we should be, but we're, we're, we're starting to catch up. But then you think about it, diversity just gets us in the door. Inclusion gets us a seat at the table equity gets us an equal voice and all that's good. But if someone doesn't feel they belong, then they're not going to maybe feel vulnerable enough to give them their very best and may not want to rock the boat. They may be just happy to be in the room where it happens to quote Hamilton. Right. So creating a sense of belonging through this concept of love doesn't matter whether it's digital in person. Um, that's our world and we're going to have to work through it. But building relationships through those techniques are what is going to give us a leg up and help us create a even higher trajectory of performance and profitability and purpose going forward. You know, Mark, uh, I, I could go on and on talking with you. I, I just uh, very much uh, enjoy uh, uh, listening to what, what you're saying and, and what you are speaking about. Uh, to, just gives voice to so much that it is in your book. Uh, how can people get a hold of you uh, if they want to learn more about uh, about you and uh, about uh, the purposeful growth revolution? Well, first of all, thanks, uh, Frank, and the feelings mutual. Um, so I'm sure we're going to be friends offline. Uh, I can share. I can. I can feel that we have a shared kinship. Um, you can go to Mark A. Mears. That's M E A R S dot com. It's my website. And there you'll find four ways to grow with me, uh, the book, reading, um, speaking. I do keynote speeches and consulting, business consulting. And I'm actually working on a really cool online kind of e-learning curriculum. So that's coming. But I would say start with taking the, the purposeful growth self-assessment. It takes about five or six minutes. It's right there on my website. And it goes through the four kind of divisions of the book that I outlined earlier. And what it will do is provide a benchmark of where you stand on the importance of purpose in your life and your work, as well as there's a section in there about your workplace. And so you'll see if you are aligned or not aligned 
And then when you're done, uh, you can literally download immediately a custom report with your results. And then we start there and then you can reach out to me either through the contact me section on the website, or if you'd like um, to start a conversation, please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and uh, we can begin to you know, get to know one another and, and see if I can help in some way. And we're going to put uh, links to all of those uh, in our podcast notes for, for all of our, our listeners. And uh, I really want to encourage everyone also to get a copy of the book. I, I've read a lot of books of leadership and the purposeful growth revolution is, uh, is going on the top shelf uh, as it really helps to examine the importance of leaving a living legacy. It's a well-organized book. It flows very, very well. And the use of personal stories, I think, really drives home the key points in a way that, that just sticks. And so we've added this to our 23 books for 2023. You can go to our own website, phoenixlifecoachingcanada.com, uh, to find out about our 23 books for 2023. And basically what that means is that if you're one of our clients, uh, it's one of those books that we gift to you. Uh, and so we really want to encourage uh, all of our clients to, to choose this book. And, uh, and I want to encourage everyone who listens to this podcast to go and check out Mark's website, markamears.com. And so thank you, Mark, for, for being a guest uh, this summer on the You Can Make It So podcast. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Frank. The pleasure's mine. And uh, I'll definitely uh, talk to you offline and uh, keep a relationship going. I feel, I feel like we were just given so much new knowledge. I know I'm going to listen to that podcast episode again, not only because I really feel that we've welcomed a new friend in Mark Mears, but also because there was just so much there to learn from and grow with. Do check out his book, The Purposeful Growth Revolution, Four Ways to Grow from Leader to Legacy Builder. And do go to his website and take that short purposeful growth assessment. All of those details you can find in our podcast links. You know, I believe you can lead with confidence and grow in clarity as you start living in a way today that will help you to thrive tomorrow. So don't hesitate to contact us here at phoenixlifecoachingcanada.com to see how we can help you. All right, until we get together again next week, start living in a way today that will help you to thrive tomorrow. And remember, you can make it so.